Welcome to Being Professional English Podcasts, podcast number 59, Managing Your New Manager. Let's get started. Well, welcome to this podcast, podcast number 59. I haven't done this for nearly, or almost, seven months. And therefore, today I'd like to start off this podcast with an apology. I apologise to all the people that listen to this podcast on a regular basis for not renewing for the past seven months. As most of you know, I started a new role in January as the Chief Operating Officer of a winery here in Valpolicella, Italy. And it has taken up a great deal of my time. Not only because we have quite a ambitious and unique strategy going forward, but also the fact is that I'm an English, mother tongue English person, working in an Italian company. And so it's taken up quite a lot of my time and my energy. In addition to that, I'm very fortunate enough to have seen my third child born here at home, actually in the front room. And she was born in April, I think. Uh, no, not April, in June. That's very male behaviour, isn't it? In June. But whenever she was born, since then I haven't slept a great deal. So, she's still very young, wonderful. After having two boys, it's nice to have a girl, finally, as my daughter. But I haven't had an awful lot of time, and therefore I've had to decide. And what I've decided not to do is not to do the podcast. I apologise profusely for this, but I had to make a calculated decision as to what I would dedicate that one precious resource that we all have you can't buy you can't rent it you can't sell it it's exactly the same for everyone and that's time in addition to an apology at the beginning of this podcast I'd like to also um, send out a thank you in the last seven months I've received something like, I was looking at today, but 150 emails are from people, partially who have been asking me what am I doing, why don't I do these podcasts, that they really like them, they find them useful, and some people, about half, who've been more specific in the sense that they've mentioned podcasts that specifically helped them to either get a job or to get a promotion or to resolve a particularly difficult situation, in particular the people who do not speak English as a mother tongue first language. I'm honoured and deeply touched that some of you think that what you've listened to in my podcast can make such a difference. I mean, I don't actually believe it myself. You know, you go for an interview, you get a job, you got it, not me. I wasn't there answering the questions for you, deciding what you should wear to go to it. It was you, you did it, not me. But nevertheless, I'm honoured and, as I said, deeply touched that you think that I may have helped you in that way. So thank you so much for those emails and letters. All right, back to the podcast. 
managing your new manager. Wonderful situation happens to us all, more than once. And it's something which we need to know how to address. In particular, we need to know how to address it. If we are working in a company that does not have our own mother tongue language, where communication is going to be obviously reduced, and we need to be very careful how we address the situation. So today I have five points, one of which I've already touched on, which is the apology and the thank you uh, for your kind emails. The second point is the golden rule of business relationships. Well, I'll talk about this golden rule <clears throat> in relationships um, at work in general and then specific to this particular situation. Point three is a fast route to knowing your boss. The single most effective way to work out what type of person this boss is as regards to work in the very shortest time possible. A absolutely extremely important technique. The fourth point is various crucial behaviours to clarify as soon as possible. That's on your behalf. The sort of behaviours that you need to demonstrate as soon as possible. And it does not depend upon, upon point three, the type of boss we're talking about. We're talking about, in general, the type of behaviours that need to be shown. And the last point is the first meeting. We're not going to talk about <clears throat> what to do at the first meeting um, and where to organise it and so on and so forth. So... Here we go. The first thing. The golden rule of business relationships. The relationship between a manager or a boss and the subordinate staff, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call this relationship, is a relationship which affects all of us at work and has probably the highest determinant of a successful career. No matter how good you are in what you do, if your relationship with your boss is not, well, let's say at the very least neutral, you're gonna have a very hard time having a successful career. As I said, it's the highest determinant of a successful career is your relationship with your boss or your manager. And not only from the long-term point of view, but also on the day-to-day. -day. Your day-to-day -day working life is affected tremendously by this relationship. I mean, even if the manager is not there constantly, the effects of this person upon what you do day-to-day -day are, are there, are seen, not only by you, but also by your colleagues who presumably are also working for this boss manager. And so it's an extremely crucial part of what you can do for yourself day by day and longer term for your, um, for your career. In addition to that, relationships, and I've mentioned to this to you all over and over again in business, you know, don't worry what Facebook does and LinkedIn does and emails do and everything else. The, 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 the most important thing about business relationships 
Um, sorry, about business is relationships. Sorry, the most important thing about business is relationships. They count more than anything else. And the older you get and the more experience you get, you see this happening all the time. I mean, the contacts that you have, your network, and how you maintain that network. And by the way, people who haven't listened to the podcast on maintaining a network, I'd advise them to go and listen to it. Just look under network on my website. It's very, very important. <clears throat> In fact, it probably counts the most. I would say it counts more than anything else. I've mentioned many times before, the higher you go up in a company, the more successful you become, the less what you do as a single individual counts towards your success. It's more your influence upon other people. Now, your influence on, upon other people relates about the trust they have on you, but also how you get things done for your team. And that comes from the relationships you have in other parts of the industry, in other parts of your company, if it's a multinational company, a large company, in different industries. Your contacts and the relationship that you've built around those contacts means more than anything else you can do. And that's why good salesmen, saleswomen, salespeople, I'm not wishing to be politically correct here, which I'm not, but that's why salesmen, you know, that's that famous book called The Rainmaker. A salesman is a rainmaker. I mean, after probably the CEO, and maybe also the COO in my case, just thought I'd say that, the next most important person in the company are the salespeople because they make the rain they're the ones who actually get and sell at the front line the products or the services of the company. Without them, you have nothing as a company. You can be the best COO in the world, the best COO in the world, but if you don't have people on the front line who are extremely good at their job, it's a waste of time. And salespeople know instinctively that the relationships count. It's why when I speak to some people and they say they've started a new job as a salesperson, in fact, I was speaking to a, um, a lovely lady the other day from Russia, who obviously speaks Russian, and she started working for a company, and they obviously employed her because they wanted to try to break into the Russian uh, market. And she's been working there a year, and she's only had one order. And the company is beginning to get quite annoyed about that. Well, that's ridiculous. Building up relationships to the point where someone will trust you enough to pay you to buy your product or service takes time. Because it's built on trust. Unless, of course, you just want to go down the route of price and become a commodity. Everything else is based on relationships. So you don't start a job as a new salesperson in a company thinking or allowing the company to say to you, well, you just got one year and see how it goes. It's just not going to work that way. It could easily take longer. So given that the relationship between you and your manager, or in this case, your new manager, your new boss, given it is so important, as I've just mentioned, it really doesn't make much sense to leave this relationship completely up to your boss. 
why do you allow yourself to think that your boss, your new manager, has 100% responsibility for the relationship that he or she builds with you? It's, it's wrong. I mean, uh, it's arrogant. It's also a bit stupid. No, not stupid. Let's call it naive, right? Let's be kind. Let's call it naive. So I say stupid because I'm on my second glass of, um, of wonderful whiskey. Drinking there. Obviously Jack Daniels whiskey. And this time round. And it's a bit naive. It's such an important thing. Why are you leaving it up to your new manager, your new boss, who's got other things to worry about? Now, yes... If your new manager, your, your your new boss has been listening to all my podcasts, she or he hopefully will, will be a very good manager. But whether they are good or whether they're not good, this relationship for you is so important to you, you cannot leave it all up to them. I've heard loads of excuses. You know, I've got a bad boss. He's an arrogant boss. He's difficult. He's cold. He's distant. You know, at the end of the day, you have to take the responsibility to build up the relationship. Communication is what the speaker does. Remember that. So when you're speaking to your boss, when you're communicating to your boss, it is that communication depends on what you do, not on what he or she hears. And this leads to the golden rule. What is the golden rule of all business relationships? No matter with people outside your company, people below you, people at the same level, and in this case, your boss. The golden rule is this. Make your boss's life easier. That's all it is. If you can make your boss's life easier... Your relationship with that person will grow exponentially. And that's in with that's within your power. Make your boss's life easier. Now if you've been listening to my podcast on how to be effective, how to be professional, you'll know exactly the type of behaviors which are required to make your boss's life easier. But let's go on now to the, the, my third point, which is the fast route to knowing your boss. Because if you don't know your boss, there are still some things which you can do which are general. And we'll talk about them in, uh, on the next, um, the next point about certain behaviours that in general you need to stick to. But if you don't know your boss, <clears throat> it's a little bit more difficult. I have here, which I'm going to talk about now, a very powerful way that helps you get to know the type of boss you have. And you can do it within the first meeting. See, the problem is that it takes a long time to know somebody. I mean, when I'm giving interviews, when I'm interviewing people, you know, I have my 30 minutes, 45 minutes to get an idea of who they are. And that's ridiculous. You're just not going to be able to do that. It's one of the reasons why, you, as a manager, you've got to continuously be interviewing people 
so you can, even if you don't have a position available, so you can get to know the type of people that are around for your, you know, famous talent bench. Um, sorry if you can hear, you can hear probably hear Jane in the background there. She's making her point uh, as well about this podcast. It takes a long time to get to know someone. So, how, what's the fast route to knowing your boss? You've got to use active listening to work out if your, your new boss, your new manager, prefers one of these three things, one of these two things. Either she prefers to have an email and then the discussion about whatever the topic is, or she prefers to have the discussion and then the email. This is an extremely broad brush idea on, you know, grouping new managers into two different parts. But there's the ones that want to think about the idea and look at all the details and be fully um, compartmentous about the subject before they discuss about it. And there are some managers who are much more, you know, off the hip. Uh, shooting off the hip as it were and um, quicker and they want to discuss about it and they want, and then they want a follow-up email it's a classic and extremely powerful first step to knowing your boss just to decide between those two actions or sequence of actions which of those two they prefer and once you get that you alter your communication to fit your boss's character. It's not the other way around. It's not the other way around. You alter your communication patterns to fit your boss's character. And do you know why? Because the relationship with your boss is the highest determinant of your successful career. You find this out by just noting how she asks you to communicate. When you first meet the person, when you first start to talk about projects, deadlines, what's going on, you know, ask the question. Do you want me to email you first and we'll talk about it? Or do you want me to discuss it and then, then email? Ask it. They'll give you the answer and you run from then on. You do that. On any topic... You either go knock on their door, discuss it with them, then follow up with an email. The email, which is probably already written, you already write the email, get it ready, get it on your computer, don't send it, put it in draft form. Knock on door, boss, talk about the idea and say to him or her, okay, as soon as we finish the meeting, I'll send you the, um, the email. Get back to your desk, get back to your office, hit the return, send it immediately. Or the other way around, write out the email, send it, Call your boss and organise when you're going to discuss it. Managers' bosses do tend to to go into these two broad strains. And remember, the first 90 days of a new manager's job is extremely stressful and difficult for him or her. Extremely difficult. The higher up in the company they've come in, the more difficult it is. They're stressed. If they are confronted with someone, you know, and a lot of people in the company are very nervous about what they're doing, about what they, you know, how they can act, if they can lose their job. If they're confronted with someone who works for them, who not only 
is trying to work out which of these two broad groupings, characteristics of a manager that they're in, but is also trying to make their life easier via that in those first, first sorry, 90 days, that will count a lot for them. And don't worry about this idea in some companies where you're covering your back, you know, uh, or covering your ass by sending out email with lots of CCs. You know how much I hate email. Don't worry about if your boss is, is, a, is a discussion first, then email person. Don't worry about covering your ass as you have been doing in the past or felt you needed to do in the past. You don't need to do it anymore. Just go with what your boss is like. So any, any anything that you touch on with your boss, whether it's about projects, client updates, um, hiring policy, any of the subjects that come up in business, you can divide your bosses, what your boss wants to see or hear from you into those two groupings. Email, then discuss it, or discuss it, then email. I promise you, not only can you find out very quickly this by asking them the question at the beginning when you first meet them, but also it really does make their life easier because you are immediately getting into sync with them. You make their life easier, your relationship will be much better. The other crucial behaviours that you need to clarify as soon as possible in this new relationship are the following. Now, obviously, you should be perfect, obviously. You know, you should be hyper-effective. You should have listened to all of my podcasts, listened to all the other podcasts that you can get out there, read loads of books, and be just, you know, uber-effective, of course. But let's assume for a moment that you're human. Which of the behaviours are really quite crucial for you to, to do? The first one is you do what you say you will do. Now, I know I've mentioned in the last few podcasts, in fact, when I spoke about how to be a manager, that it's actually the manager's role as well. And it's true. When you're looking at your new manager, if he or she does what they say they will do, then very slowly you will gain confidence with them. And it's their job to give you more confidence uh, or for them to give confidence in you, for them to trust you, and make the first step forward. But again, repeat, this relationship is so important to you, don't give all the responsibility to them. So do what, you're, do what you say you would do. If you give a deadline, you meet that deadline. If you say you're going to meet a customer, you meet that customer. You just do what you say you're going to do. It's actually very easy, right? It's actually a very easy thing to do. The other behavior is to enact true collective decision-making behavior. Now, this is a, this is a classic thing because I, I, I do speak to a lot of people who, who get a bit, you know, annoyed with their current boss. Their current boss makes a decision, they don't agree with it. And irrespective, I mean, let's assume, let's assume that this boss is a very effective boss and that he or she has asked you in to discuss 
um, a new project, a new thing they're going to do. And the boss listens to your opinion on it. The boss gives you his or her opinion. You give yours to him or her. And the boss says, well, thank you very much for that. But I'd still want us to go down to do what uh, I said at the beginning. Now, even though you think that your boss, or in this case your new boss, is making a mistake, even if you think that, your role is to implement this decision by your boss to the best of your ability, even if you think it sucks, even if you think it's going to fail. That's your job. You can't just because you don't like it, not do it. You've got to do it to your best of your ability. Now, you know, I hope that your boss turns out to be a very good boss in the sense that, you know, he can't keep on asking for your opinion, then always going against it. Because sooner or later, you're going to stop giving him an opinion. So I hope that every now and again, he or she is going to agree with what you say. And if that happens, you'll be very happy. But when it happens that they don't agree with what you say, it is your job, your role, to implement it to the best of your ability. And people who don't, apart from being pathetic in my in my. Um, in my view, apart from adding to the inefficiency, the ineffectiveness of companies dramatically, are arrogant, self-centred, and basically a liability. That's right, arrogant, self-centred, and basically a liability. Because I'm a, I'm a manager, I, I have quite a few people who work for me, and I involve people in discussions about, uh, about crucial projects. But once we come to a decision, I expect them, even if it wasn't what they thought, for them to do and them to try as hard as possible. If they're not, then they're creating dissent in the company. Also, the whole point of having a hierarchy is so that you have an information water flow, waterfall. Sorry, If that doesn't happen then the company breaks down. It's arrogant, self-centred, and a liability. So you've got to show, you've got to show true collective decision behaviour. The third behaviour you have to demonstrate is bottom line first. Always, always, in every single bit of communication. Now, if you haven't heard of bottom line first, it really is too big a subject for me to go over now. But go, please, back to... Just search on my site for Bottom Line first. Go back to it and listen to the podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me have a sip of, what, of whiskey. That's better. Medicinal. Go back and listen to it because it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. There's nothing better, I promise you, I promise you, there's nothing better as a manager than when someone comes into your room, they use bottom line first. It, it just it just adds to urgency in what you're doing. It just, you know what it shows more than anything else? It, mean, it shows that they respect your time as the manager. You know, 
They respect that you're not just sitting on your fat ass as a manager doing nothing. And it's a wonderful thing to, to, to do. So bottom line first, where you don't give the story, you give the, you give the consequence or the problem at the end first. Then if your boss wants the story, wants the background, you give it to them. Simple as that. Go back and listen to the podcast. It's crucial. The fourth behaviour is if you are giving presentations, and I hope you've listened to all my presentation podcasts, you show the technique I mentioned to you, which is the pre-show technique. You know, we have your presentation and you um, make an appointment to see all the key players who are going to view the presentation and you talk to them, show them the presentation before the, the scheduled date and talk to them about what they disagree with and what they agree with. If you do this, if you show this, what are you demonstrating? You are demonstrating that you know how important the team is. That you know that teamwork is the only way you are going to reach your targets. And you're bringing people together. It's very collegial. You're trying to um, come to a conclusion together as opposed to slamming it in their face with your presentation. So let me, re let me revise those behaviours. You do what you say you will do. You demonstrate true collective decision behaviour by implementing any decision your boss comes to, even if you don't agree with it. You always use bottom line first in all means of communication. And if you have to present anything, do the pre-show technique to demonstrate that you understand about teamwork. <clears throat> Lastly, I wanted to look at the first meeting. Now, the first time you meet your new manager, your new boss, is a, is a pretty crucial thing. Uh, and it's like an interview. I, and I would treat it as if it were an interview. Go back to look at some of my interview podcasts as well. Uh, some of the things I mentioned in those podcasts were attire what you wear for that first meeting. Now, you're lucky here because you have a massive advantage because you know what the culture is of your company. You know whether people wear, if you're a man, whether people wear jeans and T-shirt, as they do in my company, or whether people wear um, business trousers and a shirt, or whether people wear a suit but without a tie, or whether people wear a suit and tie. You know what the culture of your company is. Your new manager boss doesn't <coughs> excuse me, necessarily know what it is. So you're at a massive advantage there. So you go to that meeting, you don't step up a level. You don't step up higher than the, um, the cultural level of the company. You stay at the cultural level of the company. And if you don't know what that is, just look at what all the senior managers wear, what they wear. That's the cultural level of the company. Do what they do. Excuse me. 
this first meeting, lunch or dinner. Now, if it's outside of the office, if it's lunch or dinner, you're going to be particularly... You particularly have to be careful with this if you're a woman. Uh, or, sorry, let me rephrase that. If you are of the opposite sex to your boss, you're going to have to be a bit careful. And I would suggest if your boss has organized for dinner that you suggest that your partners come along it's a tricky one for women in particular and i'm sorry it is but it's better to be safe than to to be sorry in terms of giving the wrong opinion bring along to what wherever this first meeting is going to be bring along a summary of what you're working on and the current status with deadlines. Even if your boss doesn't ask for it, even if your boss asks for something else, even if your boss says, look, you know, let's meet uh, on Monday at nine o'clock, just let's have a chat, get to know each other. Prepare and bring along a summary of what you're doing, status and the deadlines. Because it gives a sense of urgency, it shows that you know that work is about money. At this first meeting, remember the bottom line first. I keep on talking about it, but it's crucial. If you are the person who is organising the meeting, for some reason your boss says to you, your new boss, your new manager says to you, hey, look, I'd like to meet you sometime next week. Um, just please look at my diary and just pinpoint a time when, when I'm free that we can, both free, we can meet up. This is in companies where, you know, you can log on to your boss's uh, diary and, and just, just pick a time. <clears throat> never, and I try not to use adverbs like always and never, but never organise this meeting outside of work hours. So don't do it at the weekend. Don't you pick lunch or dinner or breakfast. Always within working hours. But what happens if your new manager says to you, hey, let's meet on Sunday. Or let's meet on Saturday, weekend. Now, Unless there's extreme situations, so, you know, your manager doesn't live in the vicinity and he or she is there on a business trip and they are going back on the following day to begin work on Monday in the head office, okay, there could be a reason for that first meeting to be on the weekend. You almost can see it. But you know what? At the end of the day, if your new manager, your new boss, asks to meet you the first meeting on the Saturday or Sunday, I'd say start looking for a new job. Because it is such a signal that this new boss either doesn't have a private life and doesn't want you to have one as well, or doesn't doesn't want you to have one either, Or he or she wants to power play, you know, and say, this is, uh, I'm your boss, I can 
invade also your private life. It sends a really bad signal. This idea it sends a signal that the boss is you know wanting to work hard. That's rubbish. Complete rubbish. It's not how many hours you work. It's what you do in those hours that counts. So if your new manager, your boss, organises a meeting with you, unless it's an extreme situation, if I were you, I'd start looking for a new job. Don't tell them I said that, though. So today we looked at, uh, first of all, an apology by me, and then a thank you. We looked at the golden rule of business relationships, which is to make your boss's life easier. We looked at the fast route to knowing your boss. This is thinking whether they are in the, the part of email then discussion or discussion then email <clears throat> and adjusting your behavior because of it. Then we looked at various crucial behaviors, the critical, very important ones where you need, which you need to clarify as soon as possible with this new person. And then we looked at the, the first meeting, how to approach it, like an interview, uh, and what to do if your boss asks to meet you on a Sunday. Thank you very much for listening to me. I really appreciate your time, as always. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be talking to you again. And I hope you have found this podcast useful. Again, on my website, you go there, you can see the... Um, presentation slides for this which might help you a bit more any questions send me an email like some of you well and many of you have been doing I really look forward to to getting them I try to get back to them within 24 hours don't always manage it but I do always reply sooner or later thanks again for listening to me speak to you again very soon bye bye